Alright y'all, so in the business of keeping up my personal promise of giving people their roses early on, I'm going to give this salute to Ben DeVos. Ben DeVos is the editor of USA Today's The Rocket Wire. He also makes appearances on 790, and sometimes he makes appearances on Locked On Rockets now. Funny story, there was a moment in time where I used to tweet at him and be like, yeah, you should definitely talk about this on this podcast, not realizing that Jackson Gallon is the current host of the Locked On Rockets podcast. Shout out to him, by the way. He does a great job, too. So, <laughs> yeah. But back to Ben DeVos. Ben DeVos has been one of the more... Let's say rational voices behind everything COVID-19 in regards to sports possibly returning back or not returning back, right? And and his main thing is we got to give the people something to hope for because if people are always pessimistic and they decide that sports isn't coming back, who knows what the hell that's going to do. And he kind of have a point. He kind of have a point there. And... As much as I lean on the more pessimistic side of things sometimes, it's really hard to argue with his opinion on that. But overall, great person, great follow on Twitter. If you need someone to curse out the official, that is your guy. He is like the GOAT at this right now, at least in my opinion, because there's nothing more satisfying when you see leagues saying, hey, this referee going to get punished because of a bad decision, and he is ready to go. He's ready to go. He's just there. He's ready because, again, talk about these officials, you want them to be fair and actually do their jobs. Come to speak of it, how in the hell did James Hart still got his two points from that dunk in San Antonio? But then in Northern Air, shout out to Ben DeBose. Here's your flowers. Keep doing what you're doing. On this episode, we have Roosh Williams. He is another person who I believe that you guys should take a listen to regarding the Rockets because he is... One of these people that knows what he's talking about. He he's not a fanboy. He's he's straight down the middle. I like to say, but check him out. We talk about the Jordan documentary, and we talked about the Rockets small ball, and of course I'll ask him if sports is coming back, or do he believe they'll come back at some point in 2020? I remember months ago there was a doc article saying Jordan so concerned about people looking at him as an asshole, and for me it's like okay I can see that. And even for a while, I was like one of the ones like, why is Kobe such a damn douche, right? And then over time, after you grow up, you kind of figure out, you know what? That was a method to the madness. going on y'all thank you for checking out this just some thoughts podcast i'm your host gregory joseph you can catch me on twitter at it's greg 72 that's it's greg 72 i-t-s-g-r-e-g 72 you can catch this podcast on itunes soundcloud and spotify now today we have a very special guest in the building we have a mr roosh williams what's going on sir how you doing man thanks for having me appreciate it now before we get to you know all the good stuff i have to say now that was a moment, I think early the season, which seems like a forever ago, 
I think it was the Rockets against the Cavaliers. I think after that game, we have good old Jay Williams on ESPN talking about how Russ and Harden had these trust issues because of, of a singular play. I think it was mm-hmm. James Harden shooting the ball and he saw Russ open or the other way around. But from that moment on, I think, I, was, I think Harden had the ball and he hesitated to give it to Russ, even though he was double teamed and he gave it up like too late or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. And even though the Rockets did win that game and he was just saying, this is trust issues. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to create a list of people who I'm going to listen to regarding these Rockets. And I can't remember if I put you on the list. I put a lot of people on the list. I put, like, you know, Jackson Gadsden. Shout out to him. He's the host of Locked On Rockets podcast. Ben both the former host of the podcast. Shout out to them, both of them. And, of course, of other, other Rockets fans that I know is, like, smart about these things. I can't remember if I had you on this list, but if I didn't, then that'd be a huge mess on my part, which I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> And you should definitely be on that list. I'm double check out to the, we record this podcast. But moving on, man, we're gonna I'm gonna jump into these topics real quick. I'm gonna make this short but fun at the same time. Now tonight we're recording this. Actually, before I do all that, how are you gonna this quarantine life, man? Man, uh, you know, at first I was cool with it because uh, getting to work from home. You know, I've been wanting to work from home, um, and I feel fortunate that I'm in a situation where where I'm able to work from home. Right. But now, you know, what, it's been like nine weeks almost since I've been Almost like home. two months, yeah. Yeah, for me it's been over two months. Uh, what's today? The 17th? Yeah, it's been like two two months and a week almost for me. Um, and, you know, man, I'm kind of sick of it, personally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like, I know, you know, I'm not even trying to get into the politics of what is yeah. correct to do or, or what right. the right move yeah. is. But just, just at the end of the day, like, I miss the gym. You know, I miss getting a run in at the on Sundays up at the up at the gym. Right. I miss just being able to go out and just do normal things. You know, uh, I went to the beach yesterday. Actually, I live in L.A. I went to the beach yesterday and it was packed and it felt normal for like the first day uh, in a long time. So, yeah. And I, like I say, we don't want to speak too much on the policy side because I know California is just like we don't know what the hell is going on around there. And <laughs> it's just it's just tr- trust me. Um. I'm glad you hold up. Like I know, I'm kind of like in the same similar boat in a sense. I mean, granted, originally it was good for me because I need, well, actually it's kind of reverse. It was bad for me because you know, even though I'm kind of an introvert, still not having the option of going to these places that you, I normally go to, kind of sucks a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's that isolation kind of mode. Then for me personally, I got divorced. I'm just wondering how to go around and do these things on my own. Next thing you know, yeah, you gotta stay home, buddy. The hell? Oh no! Why? Oh, no. Yeah, it's like literally. It's like the week I started doing stuff on my own. Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert tested positive, and all of a sudden everybody started shutting down. Bro. Oh no! Horrible timing. But <laughs> sorry to hear that. Right. But outside of that, it has been kind of a reset for me personally. And don't let's not add to the fact that I was already looking for work before this started. Yeah. Anyways, but now it's been hard, a good reset for me. I got I got some do some things I probably never, would have never done otherwise. So I'm not tripping. That's too good. Much. Not tripping too much That's on this, good. especially it's on a little video. It's director life I'm trying to live, not really, but something to pass the time with. But we're gonna keep it pushing, man. So because of this uh, COVID nineteen business, it prompted ESPN to do what's the right thing is to push up the Jordan, the last, the Bulls Last Dance documentary. It's supposed to be in June. It once a week. Now it's two weeks since what last month. And today is the last two episodes of the documentary. Now, let me just ask you this. What has been your... Actually, let me ask you this first question. Do you, for me, personally, I don't have too much of a sense of 
what Jordan is because when I was born, he was like on his second championship run. So okay. for you personally, what do you take away from this? Plus, what do you think of Jordan between Dan and between and now? Well, jo- Michael Jordan is. I mean, I can't even front. He's my favorite basketball player of all time. Um, I was I was born right before the first three peat. I was born in '89, um, and so I was a kid. Basically, I was a kid when uh, he won the second three peat and Space Jam came out. So like those were my like the Rockets won. They're back-to-back titles, mm-hmm. right? That was my first, uh, like, introduction into basketball. And then after that, and I think actually, like, right after, I think it was summer of 95, I can't remember, um, you know, they do Space Jam. Right. And then the Bulls win three in a row. So, like, I grew up idolizing Michael Jordan completely. Um, and then now when I see, you know, the videos now, honestly, a lot, I see a lot of people saying, you know, he was a mean guy, he's a jerk. Uh, mm-hmm. his, his winning or his leadership tactics – you know, or we're poor, blah, blah, blah. I, I guess I found myself in the minority on Twitter because I love it personally. Like, I think it's inspiring as hell. You know I, what? You it's, know, the... it's funny you said that because it was actually like part of in my notes because, you know, you think of Michael Jordan, obviously one of the names that comes is LeBron James, right? And you have all these mm-hmm. other superstars that have their own way of leading that has won multiple titles. Like, we think of Tim Duncan. He has five. But we never know him to really speak out, period, other than, you know to be this tired so yes i I, so when i watched the documentary myself it's like i remember months ago there was a doc article saying jordan so concerned about people looking at him as an asshole and for me it's like okay i can see that and even for a while i was like one of the ones like why is kobe such a damn douche right and then (laughs) over time after you grow up you kind of figure out you know what that was a method to the madness that was okay especially if it worked out Right, because if it doesn't work, then you just look like a douche. But if it does work out for you, okay, we see the point. Because I think a lot of you have to have to go in order for you to be an, an asshole and still get the results that you want. First, you gotta have guys that can deal with it, or willing to put it to the side for the greater good. Which I think it's like the big difference between back then and maybe today. You don't see as many of those guys that want to listen to. Or at least the level of 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 asshole is because I'm pretty sure like LeBron James got a little bit of asshole streak to him, but it's not on the level of Jordan, which is a knock on LeBron, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I just look at it in a a bunch of different ways. I mean, there's there's a ton of different personalities, but when you have a guy like Michael Jordan who is undisputed the best in your league, um, you know, some people might not take it and they might be like, "Yo, stop talking to me like that. I'm not going to deal with this." Right. Um, other other people form that bond and brotherhood kind of in those moments like you go at each other's throats out of respect and then you come out on the other side um you know friends with more respect than you had for each other previously and mm. then of course you're winning so it's like it's all good because everyone's winning um so it just goes both ways i mean personally i would rather go you know toe to toe with i have more of mike's approach than i would Le- i think lebron's approach is kind of passive you know kind of like they'll dab you up shake your hand show you love and you know, in person and stuff, maybe post you on his Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he's like talking to, to the front office and the management, like, yo, you know, trying to trade you or whatever. Not that, not that he specifically singles people out to trade them or whatever, but like, you know, you saw with the Lakers, right? He, he kind of, he sent a, he sent a message without sending a message, especially like you said, exactly. the whole Anthony Davis thing. That was kind of like a, exactly. Oh, damn. Yeah. He was, he's just dangling his teammates like publicly. Like, I, I think that that is worse than, you know, if me and you were in practice and I'm like, 
cussing you out like yo come at me and we're just because like you can leave things on the court at least some people can I feel, I feel like i can just leave things on the court and like once it's over like you snap out of mode and it's over right but when you're trying to you know when you're dangling someone publicly to get them traded or whatever it's just like first of all coming from you know the figurehead leader it's just kind of poor leadership because it seems like you're hiding something it seems like untrustworthy sure. that's, and, and, then, that's, and that's a valid point like because lebron is my guy only because you know out of the two of them i only see lebron from start to finish and, you know, I didn't right. see I didn't see Jordan at any point during his greatness. Like when I first started watching sports, Jordan was was on Wizards. Okay. So, so it's like wow. okay. So it's like what what you know concept of Jordan do I have other than him in Washington? Not much of anything, right? right. So, but again, like I said, I'm I'm not you know, I'm not knocking people who say that Jordan is the greatest. Like I'm gonna knock y'all for that, you know. But for me, it's LeBron only because I see him go from start right. to now. And that makes I mean that makes sense. You know, I can't knock you for that. Um, I will say, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't heard of anything throughout all the stories that come out throughout the years about like Jordan being, you know, shady or untrustworthy. If anything, it was just Jordan's an asshole. Yeah, because know? he wants or, to win at all costs. And right. And I actually, and so, like, I, can re- I think too, another I, part of it, not to cut you off, I listen to um, Bumani Jones. That's my that's my personal favorite to listen to ESPN right now. And he made the point like because of the how you people grew up kind of determines how they are now in, the, in adulthood. Like LeBron, single parent home, he recognized early on people's feelings kind of matter a bit. Jordan, you know, both parents at home, he figured, okay, I can just focus on myself and I want people to raise it to my level. It, it, I don't know if that has some, everything to do with that, but it's kind of an interesting point, contrast between the two of them in terms of their leadership skills. Then again, you do have the Kobe Bryant element that might kind of knock that all out now that I'm thinking about it. But that's kind of a yeah. I mean, you you have like if you have Jordan raised raised by two parents, it seems like Jordan learned from his dad, and you know yeah that was his motivating factor. And so his his father probably had like a model of you know leadership or whatever as his role model, and he latched onto that. And probably you know that's kind of a reflection of like where his leadership skills come from. LeBron, on the other hand, probably figured it out on his own. You know, right. Um, and part of that, you know, it would make sense like he's more in tune to like the the emotional human side of things, but. There is also something to the brain, um, the brain composition of it, without getting too off topic. Uh, if you look at brain types, I think uh, I think Jordan has a very specific brain type that is like kind of drives his competitive nature and like the way why he is the way he is. Right. Uh, I haven't looked, I haven't looked into LeBron's, but I remember that from Jordan. I'm a Jordan stan. Can't help it. <laughs> right. Right. And I understood. I understood. Though before we uh, keep it pushing the next, uh, I do have a couple more notes, which like I'm. Um, I'm growing up, you know, I haven't heard much of Jordan. I, like, the idea, the topic between Jordan and always kind of, I'm always interested in is 93, 90, 94, 95, because that's when he, like, quote-unquote, retired and semi-retired, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody, you know how everybody makes the point of, yeah, they would have won eight straight if he hadn't retired, and I'm just kind of looking like, for one, over the course of the history of the NBA, three-peats are hard to do, if mm-hmm. not for anything other than the miles you have to travel. And then... I'm looking at the Jordan doc. It's like, damn, Jordan went through three finals, which means that short off seasons. He did the Olympics, which means that one's off season even shorter. So by the time you get to the third ring, he's tired. Then his father's death. Like, I don't know how much toll that would take on me as an individual, but I feel like if Jordan was like, now nah, I'm good. I don't think I could do the same thing. So it's hard for me to be like, okay, they would one for straight because he was just out of it. And that's that's yeah. my biggest takeaway for me. I'm like, damn, that's a lot. It also brings to me like, not to make it about LeBron, but it's like, 
that hasn't passed LeBron handle all of this because social media wasn't big back then, but it, you know, as it is now, because LeBron has been under camera since he was 17 years old and somehow yeah, I, he kept it together. That's crazy. I, I think, I think the difference in the times has a lot to do with that. Like he's like, you just said, you know, LeBron was under the camera from a young age. So he, I picked think he figured early. it out early. Yeah. Picked up you early. Know what I mean? um, whereas with Jordan, like, you know, it just wasn't, the coverage just wasn't there like that in terms of 24 hours around the clock. Um, you know, people always having the camera on you or everyone having social media. So now as far as, you know, do they win eight in a row? I don't think so because, um, you know, first of all, yeah, it, it takes a toll on you, right? Three peats are hard as hell. Four right. peats don't happen unless you're in the 1960s. Right. Um, which, you know, to me is a totally different league and totally different setup. So right. I think it's like a complete, completely different discussion, but you know, four peats don't really happen. Um, his father had passed away. I think that would have taken a, an emotional toll on him at some point. It mm-hmm. could have, it could have possibly driven him to like a, a maniacal level of competition to where, he just would have gone crazy and like won it all. That that is also in question. But that's fair. Um, that's fair. You know, you know who knows. He could have just totally tunnel vision, like to 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 escape from the reality of his father passing and just put it all in the basketball. Who knows? But um, you know, the Rockets were just a bad matchup for them to begin with. True. And the Rockets made the finals, and they would have made the finals whether or not Jordan retired or not. So they were going to face Houston if they made it to the finals. They right. being the Chicago Chicago Bulls. So. I think they would have lost, um, if not both years, at the very least, they would have lost in 95. 90, yeah. I was going to say 94, 95, because they didn't have Horace Grant. Grant. Yeah, Horace Grant left to um, Orlando. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Horace Grant left, even if Michael stayed the whole season. Um, I think they would have made the finals, but Horace Grant left. So it just would have made the, the matchup against the Rockets pretty poor for, for Chicago. And then, on the other hand, like I said, Hakeem was a bad matchup for them, period. If you look at uh, who they faced – um, in the finals, they typically face the big men that they typically face. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, they lost to Shaq. Um, right. They had trouble at times with Patrick Ewing. And then um, if you look at who they face in the finals, you know, it's Carl Malone, twice Sean Kemp. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Blazers and the, the Lakers didn't really have like a superstar big men that they faced. The championship teams they faced, I think, they, I think it was Vladdy Box was the center, right. if I'm not mistaken, when the Lakers played them. Um, and then... Then they, then they played the Suns with uh, Barkley. So they played a bunch of power forwards, but they didn't play a center. And they didn't play a center that was defensively dominant like Hakeem in the finals. So right. I just don't think they would have been able to, to keep up. For sure, for sure. But since we're going, since we're going to keep in the basketball world, we're going to go into the, the New Day Rockets. Now, before mm-hmm. the Rockets, before the NBA season postponed as of, as of now, not canceled, postponed, the Rockets was on their was on their way on to probably be in the playoffs. They probably would have made a couple of rounds. They were doing the small ball thing. First of all, what do you think about the small ball? Because that was interesting in itself. I was a big fan of it. Um, I think it can work, but I think in order for it to work, you have to have your defensive principles down, down pat. I mean, we all saw when the small ball happened at the first at, at the outset when they made the trade. You know, the Rockets came out on fire. Right. Uh, it felt like that. It felt like that losing streak that happened, like they lost four or five in a row or whatever. It felt like that was kind of a fluke almost, but um, but not a fluke because I think that has more to do with with Mike D'Antoni. Um, you know, when all the focus is on the offensive side of the floor, uh, you know, you're obviously going to lack in other areas. And I feel like if you're going to run the small ball to what it needs to be, when teams adjust, you have to be prepared and anticipate those adjustments. You have to know what you're doing and compensate for the lack of size. Um, 
and you just saw the Rockets getting beat up. Like I remember specifically the first game of that losing streak against the Knicks. Oh yeah, they're getting beat up by like Taj Gibson and, and Bobby Portis, I think, for uh, for a while. Like inside, we're getting beat up, and we didn't make any any lineup switches, right? Like I was tweeting, I was saying, man, put Demar Carroll in, um, right, to guard one of those guys, right? You know, he's got the length. He's not as big as them. He's six six. But he's got long arms. He's pretty strong. I think he's like 210, 215. He's got a solid body. He's a veteran. Um, you know, and a guy like Taj Gibson is just going to try to back you down and fade away or give, give you like a little baby hook. I, you know, I'll take my chances with DeMar Carroll on him instead of whoever, Dan, Dan House or whoever whoever else it was, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just get some length out there, get some strength out there and take advantage of it. Or even try Isaiah Hartenstein for a couple minutes here and there. You know, things like that. Um, but it just seems like our adjustments always come with the perspective of, you know, how are we going to change the offense, right? Like, right. how can I spread things out further on the offensive end of the floor? And on defense, they just never – many times they don't look like a unit, you know? During that win streak after the small ball trade, like, they look crisp. They look – defense is all about communication. They look like their communication was on point. It feels like the with, effort level just went down defense, which one that I was kind of concerned about. It's them yeah, yeah. run out of but gas. Yeah. At the end, they did, yeah. And D'Antoni just plays people, you know, tons of hours, and so they get they get tired out. And uh, I think we kind of saw that all come to a head for sure. And like, so speaking of um, Mike D'Antoni, it's in our last couple of weeks actually, we've been they've been talking about whether or not Mike D'Antoni is going to come back because his is this his one year deal that he's on right now as of this moment? Mm-hmm. And you know, we had the whole offseason battle with him and Fertitta, and that's another conversation itself. But what did you think about first? We had what Tom Thibodeau as one of the candidates potentially. Then you had Jeff Van Gundy. Like, which one of them is like the 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 right hire if you had to choose one or two? Well, it's funny because Tom Thibodeau made his name, as far as I can remember, at least. Tom Thibodeau made his name as Jeff Van Gundy's assistant. Right, he in was Houston. He was with the Rockets. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, you know, and so and then I think he went and coached the Celtics, if I'm not mistaken, or assistant coach. With, either came from Boston to Houston, or went from Houston to Boston, and then won a title with Doc Rivers. I'm not sure. Um, I think it was but, Boston with the Chicago soon after that. That's so yeah. So he went. To, he was assistant with, with Boston, won the title, and then went to Chicago and coached Derrick Rose. And them. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, because um, you know that one game for Derrick Rose. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So. Look, I like Tom Thibodeau as a defensive assistant. I don't want him as a head coach because he's kind of like – he's like Mike D'Antoni except the defensive version. Um, he's going to mm-hmm. go all out on defense. He's going to play guys way too many minutes. Um, he's going to go for, like, veterans that he knows and remembers and veterans he likes, you know. Right. Same kind of thing D'Antoni does. He's got, like, a soft spot for certain people he used to coach. Um so, you know, I don't know. I think it's like, I think it's a move in the opposite direction from D'Antoni, but I think we're going to end up with the same results. Competitive team, tired players, gas out when it matters most. Um, right. As for, Jeff, as for Jeff Van Gundy, he's interesting to me. I, I love Jeff Van Gundy. I loved when he was in Houston. Um, he took a lot of like underachieving teams on paper and turned them into competitive teams from what I can remember at least. Um, you know, he, he didn't really have a lot of talent when he was in Houston to work with. He had Yao a young Yao and then T-Mac who was often injured and the role players under Van Gundy were pretty bad. If you remember mm-hmm. um, David Wesley, John Barry, Bob Surin, the oh, last year of career, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, David Wesley was our starting two guard. He was like six one, but uh, 
but yeah, so Gangundi is more of the Tom Thibodeau mold. He's going to play guys heavy minutes. At least that, that's what he used to do. Maybe he would adapt. Um, and he's he's all about defense. He has never coached a team that was that was worse than top six in defensive rating. That counts his New York teams. That counts his uh, Rockets teams with him as the head coach. Mm-hmm. So I mean that that's really encouraging. On the other hand, his offenses have always been anemic. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's ever coached a top ten offense. Um, so that's an issue. But one thing I do think that is interesting about Van Gundy is his ability to manage egos. Um, yeah. You know, he had T-Max full respect. Uh, and, you know, I don't think it's hard to get Yao's respect, but he had Yao's respect and he managed that situation pretty well. Um, so I think he could get through to Harden. And you I had think Artes for a minute, right? Or was it Adam and no, Artes? That, that was Adam and Yao. Okay, that's what I figured. Okay. But, but one thing I do think, um, you know, I think he could – maybe speak to, to James Harden. I feel like Van Gundy would be more open since he's been out of the game and stepped away from the game. He's been coaching, I think, like the youth Olympic teams. Not youth, but like the, the younger Olympic teams, like the 18, 19, 20, 21 mm-hmm. or something like that. So I think he's more tapped into the idea of adapting to today, to, to today's game. Um, so I wouldn't count him out of that. But, but yeah, between the two men, I'd go with Van Gundy, but I would ideally like someone who's kind of like fresh blood, someone kind of younger. Like if you look at the last five championships or five or six championships or whatever. They're new guys. They're all, they're all new guys. Steve Kerr, first-time head coach. Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, first-time head coach. Ty Lue, first-time head coach, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like fans, get scared, you know. They'll be like, oh, fire D'Antoni. Well, who can you hire? Um, because we're all used to like the big name, but I, I think the right name is probably someone that none of us really know much about, but that has been on the right benches over the years that is just waiting for their chance, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good point because like you say, we, we, we hear all these retreads going to the same different places, but getting the same kind of results. Like maybe it's you coach, maybe you, you're, <laughs> maybe you're the issue right now versus, so that would be, actually that would be more ideal. Like I said, first Nick, again, we do have hard new guy Westbrook. By the way, I have to say, for me personally, I didn't know what to expect with Westbrook came here, but he exceeded everything that I thought he was going to do. I think the only concern with Westbrook is what he is his knee, which is why he had those back to backs. But Westbrook's been fun as a Rocket, even though I'm not going to delete my tweets about him. You know, <laughs> I said what I said, yeah. and I'm and I sticking to that because I had my, I had my reasons for it. Now I would admit that I was maybe a little bit disrespectful to his you know triple double average of a season. That mainly because I was kicking for James, not Westbrook. But no, nah, everything I said about Westbrook was like I, I feel like it was spot on back then at that time. Now, now I wouldn't say that crap right now. I wouldn't do it. Can't catch yeah, me. He deserves a lot of he, he deserves a lot of credit for switching his game up. Um, he did. I mean, he does. look, I just I, I disrespected him to the maximum degree. I think I said get this man out of my city at one point. Um, <laughs> so so look, you know, hey, we're all wrong. But to his credit. You know, he changed the way he played a little bit. I think I argued again. I think I argued the opposite of this, but um, in the past I argued the opposite of this. But he has changed his game. Um, you know, my biggest knocks on him were his basketball IQ right. and his defense. Um, he's like he's got the tools to be a good individual defender, but defense at the NBA level is about being a good team defense. It requires communication. It requires anticipation. Um, and it requires being engaged to like the little details. And I feel like he still doesn't really do that the way you'd want, not consistently at least. Right. But everything, everything else, man, he doesn't take stupid shots a lot of times. Um, yeah, he's not it, shooting it, threes, which I was grateful. <laughs> yeah, he's not shooting threes. You know, he's, uh, I still hate that little fadeaway backboard bank shot he tries. But uh, other than that, I mean, 
you know, kind of seeing him morph into like Houston's post player by using his first step to get down in the post or by body. Yeah, he's already showing your chest. So you'd be like that'd be that one uh, that game against the Lakers after the trade deadline. He just he just put Kyle Kuzma like on the barbecue grill just every time shoulder and chest, shoulder and chest. I dare you do something about it. Yeah, that was up. that um, was insane. I'm like, whoa, what the hell? I'm watching here. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, no, it was it was awesome, man. Watching him do that, um, just kind of heat things up in the paint. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, so you know, I mean, I'm happy with it. I still miss Chris Paul. Uh, right. I still think Chris Paul gives the Rockets the best chance to win if you know they don't have Mike D'Antoni, who's relying on isolations mm-hmm. every, on every play. If they played, they played like team basketball the way. Um, if you remember in Chris Paul's last season in Houston, which was only one season ago, it feels like forever ago. Right. Um, Harden was out. They played the Warriors. CP had 24.17 assists, I think, and they beat the Warriors. Yeah, they were like by 20 um, that game. Yeah, because they were playing team basketball, you know, and like Dan Tony never tried to utilize CP3 that way for extended stretches. Right. But I think if he, if he would have, man, I mean, you know, I still miss Chris Paul. But, but no, nah, I'm not mad at Russell Westbrook at all. I think the Rockets – I think this season is a, flip, a coin flip um, in terms of what they could do. Let's assume the season resumes. Right. You know, I feel I feel like they could beat anybody. I feel like they could lose to anybody. Honestly, coin flip each series. But um, right. But the but the future looks bright. The core looks looks good. You got Harden and James locked in. Sorry, Harden and Russ locked in. You got Robert Covington locked in. You got PJ for I think one more year, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the fifth year option. Yeah. Yeah, you got yep, and then you got uh, Daniel House is locked in. Although I'm not, you know, he. I've become more critical of him as the season has gone on, but he's still locked in and he's, you know, he's a good, he's got a good value on his contract and he's six, 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 yeah. seven long. Gordon still in for, he got the, Gordon got the extension, which you got to. Unfortunately, show yes, up he there, you know, he took that, <laughs> he took that break on his knee at the wild like, dude, you just on the extension. What's, what the hell is going on here? Right. You know, <laughs> so, you know, and he's getting older, so we're going to have him locked up. So he's like 34, 30, 34, maybe, but, um, 34, 35, but, so we have a core locked in, but we just need to surround them with the right guys. I, I was a big fan of DeMar Carroll, big fan of uh, Jeff Green after seeing with him on the court with Houston. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they just got to – they just need to learn how to communicate on defense and become a defensive unit. I don't think you go anywhere in the NBA without playing defense. And uh, Houston's yeah. defense has been very up and down, you know, so. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's one thing I'm also concerned about is, you know, are they talking enough on defense? Are they Because they're going to have to now. They're playing this switch-everything mode because of how they construct it. So you, you you would think they need to – speaking of defense, shout out to Robin Covington because um, he has been way better than I anticipated, like, man – that is. Yeah, he's been he's been awesome, man. I mean, look, we lost Trevor. Like. We lost Trevor Ariza and Chris Paul, who were both kind of like defensive IQ communicating guys, mm-hmm. backbones of the defense. Um, so that hurts. Adding adding Robert Covington helps a lot. He's so versatile on defense. He can guard pretty much one through five for the most part, at least one through four. Got long arms, good anticipation when he's blocking shots. He recovers well. Um, so I mean, he could be a huge piece. We're, we're still. Still kind of deficient in some areas, but you know he's the type of piece that helps you win a championship if everything if everything else is right. So right. I'm really excited about him. Same here. Before we um before we let you get out in here in a in a, in a few minutes, before we do that, I had a, I just one question. So today is May 17th. That recording is. Let's give it a month. June 17th. Where do you feel like we'll be as far as sports returning or at least sports preparing to returning? 
At what point in time? Like the next month, June 17th. Either like sports don't resume yet, but at least they should have a plan in place to start back up. Is that the report? I no. mean, honestly, I haven't. It's not, it's I'm not just the report. No, I'm just asking as prediction wise. It's not a report at all. Got you. But, okay, so you're saying June 17th will sports be back or not? Yeah, like, yeah that's a question, um, actually. My bad. I should clear it up better. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I say no. Um, I say no because. Even if they decide that sports are going to come back, I feel like by June 17th, they're still going to be deciding how to do it. Right. Like the, the logistics of it. Um, I'm pessimistic, man. I don't know. Uh, this whole thing is really weird and unpredictable, but um, I feel like, you know, I mean, look, there's been some good signs. I think German soccer has been has come back. I think yeah, golf the- is trying to make do something, mm-hmm. right? I think uh, uh, USC is going on for a minute, and NASCAR I think starts today. If I'm am I correct? Oh, NASCAR! Oh my goodness, NASCAR is coming back. How about that? Uh, NASCAR, UFC, Korean baseball has been playing, so like it's possible. Um, right. But we haven't seen yet one of the major, you know, major NFL, sports. NBA, MLB. Right. You know what I'm saying. Um, so until one of those pins drop, we'll see. I'm pessimistic, man, but I will say no. I hope I'm wrong, but I say no. Yeah, I'm kind of, I would lean toward the same, personally. It's not so much of, you know, like, it's logistics and also, like, again, the one dive into the politics of this, but, you know, with states are like, hell no. No, what y'all talking about? <laughs> I better uh, figure something else out. <laughs> like, I, like, like it's it's definitely that's gonna be like the main thing. Cause I think Florida is like the only well Arizona now too. It's like the only two states that's like yeah, come on, have sports. We don't care. No fans. Yeah, Arizona's like Arizona's like it's on. Yeah, no, no sports, no fans, but have some sports. There you go, we good. So yeah, it will. We'll, we'll see. And like I said, I think we're more right than wrong on this one. But as like you said, like you like yourself, I'm hoping that. We are wrong, and someone someone magically finds a way that we can get us back together. But we'll see, man. It's been really really boring, and you know, I mean, the last dance has, has helped a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know, even like on Twitter, it's just like you can tell how like all the like the ESPN Bleacher Report accounts that they all they can tweet about is like past hypotheticals stuff. about past and present, and it's just like, all right, man. Yeah, it's uh, a it's <laughs> a lot. Like the other day, I saw the um the video of James Harden. Um, yelling at the fan like we want to see the files either. Damn it! Like, like damn. Yeah. Like, do we? They at some at some point they might want to bring up Morris' tweet back in October. I feel like that was long ago. Shit, October. By by China, like might as well bring it back up at some point because there's nothing else to discuss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everything is just old, and it's just like it, everything feels like it's been much longer than it really has. Um, you know, I mean, it feels. Excuse me. It feels like. Like I said, like Chris Paul was on the Rockets just last season. It feels like it's been, you know, three seasons, Forever. four seasons. A lot of and it's, since it's been favorite since James Harden still don't have two points accounted for it because somehow all three refs missed a damn dunk. <laughs> to this day, I have no explanation of how in the hell that happened and how in the hell the NBA repl- replay system didn't even say, "Hey guys, you missed a dunk. Go change that." Man, I know. I'm trying to. Whatever, let, me, let me look at the standings and let me look at the standings real quick. I haven't looked at them in a long time. I know the Rockets were forty and twenty four and six. I'm just trying to see if that dunk because they've been there's been talk about you know if they come back they might start the playoffs uh, with the seating as is. 
And oh yeah, yeah. If the Rockets had gotten that basket, they'd be fifth, and they'd play Utah in the first round. But right now they're sixth, and they might play Denver in the first round. So, Oof. yeah, that should be a doozy. But man, I'm I'm I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to jump on this podcast a little bit. I haven't spoke Rockets in a while. Lately, it's just been Astros and Texans, and we already know at least for the, the Texans' sake, we know how crazy that is right now. And I don't want to get into that because I've been I want to follow somebody over this over that team. So <laughs> I'm glad to talk a little bit of Rockets basketball. It's been a while too. I got to get better than that. But I appreciate you man, for joining this pod, man. Appreciate your time, man. Hey, Greg, thanks for having me, man. It's nice to connect. Uh, and you know, like I said, I'm, I enjoy doing these, so I'm trying to do some more now that I have a lot more time at home. So appreciate you having me. So in the spirit of you trying to do some more pockets, how can people reach out to you if they have that podcast of their own and want you to jump on? Yeah, man. If you, I mean, if anyone ever needs to hit me up, Roosh Williams, R-O-O-S-H Williams, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you got, just hit me up. I usually respond, um, and we can make it happen. For sure, guys. All right, guys, that was Roosh Williams on the Justin Thoughts Podcast. Thank you again, sir. For everybody else, thank you guys for checking this podcast out. You catch me on Twitter, it's Greg72. Again, it's Greg72, I-T-S-G-R-E-G-72. Catch this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And as always, I'll check you guys out. Peace out.